This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. So for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. But he answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. But Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, many of you know that for the past couple of years, I have been in the long process of training to become a priest. Uh, but full confession, I have not yet hit the part of my training where I learn how to preach during a global pandemic. So this is new territory for me. But even so, by about Tuesday morning this week, it became really clear that the sermon I thought I was going to preach from this passage was pretty much worthless. Nobody needed my exegesis. No one needed my theology. What we were really going to need tonight was to come into the presence of Jesus, to be with the Jesus who is with us and who touches his muddy hands to our eyes. Because we're living in a really different world than we were a week ago, a world that was pretty much unthinkable a couple of months ago. And in many ways, we don't even know what this unthinkable new world holds. It's like we're all standing at the edge of this great and turbulent sea. And we don't know how far out it stretches. 
We don't know how deep it goes. We don't know what unseen things are hidden in the depths. And maybe this sea is going to calm soon. It'll turn out to be just a small, shallow lake and the sun will come out. Or maybe the worst waves are yet to come. Things we can't even imagine. We just don't know. There's so much we don't know. But we do know that whatever this sea is, we are facing it without close physical human contact. We can't reach out and hold each other's hands. We can't put our arms around everyone we love, everyone we are worried about. We can't touch the shoulder of someone that we are scared is vulnerable. The people who are most likely to be carried out to the sea. And that alone is something to grieve. Well, John's gospel comes to us in a way from the other side of this sea. It comes from the other shore. Because John wrote his gospel after something unthinkable had happened in his life, in the life of all of his readers, after their world had been turned upside down. Because John's gospel is the only one of the four gospels that was written after the events of 70 AD, after Jerusalem was sacked and the temple was destroyed. And in that time, Roman troops had marched on the city. They had killed every last Jewish rebel. And then they systematically killed the elderly and the frail. And then every man, woman, and child that was left standing became a slave. And the Romans destroyed the temple, that place where God's presence was supposed to dwell with his people. And they stole its lampstand and they stole the bread of the presence and they marched them back to Rome as part of their victory parade. And it would be hard for me to overstate what a huge catastrophic devastating event this was for John and his readers. It would have felt like the end of the world to them. And at the end of it all, they looked around and everyone they knew was gone. All the grandparents were gone. The whole Jewish economy was gone. The temple and its light and its bread were gone. It must have felt like the presence of God himself was gone. And John writes his gospel years after the dust has settled from this catastrophic event. He calls out to us from a distant shore, from the other side of that sea of uncertainty. And he reminds us that even here, Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. Beginning to end, John's gospel is all about the reality of the incarnation, the reality that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so from John's vantage point on this other shore, he can see the incarnation reality clearly. He can see that the temple may have been destroyed but that the true temple, 
God's forever dwelling place with his people, Jesus, is here. He is with us. And John can see that the bread of the presence may have been mocked and taken and trampled underfoot, but the true bread from heaven, Jesus, is with us. And John can see that the lampstand may have been paraded down Roman streets, but that Jesus, the light of the world, is with us. Jesus is with us. This is the reality that every miracle in John's gospel is pointing toward. Now, his gospel has seven miracles, seven signs that help us understand the incarnation, understand how Jesus is with us and what that looks like. And every one of these signs fleshes out for us something that is true about Jesus. It incarnates what's true so we can see it and touch it so that we can believe it. And so tonight's text is from the sixth one of those signs, when Jesus heals a man who's been blind since birth. And this sign is incarnating the truth that runs all through John's gospel that was just read in verse 5, that Jesus is the light of the world. But along the way, the story gets tangled up in all these theological fights. First, Jesus' disciples ask why this man is born blind. They are walking past, they see him, and they assume, surely he's done something wrong or his parents have done something wrong. This guy's really not a person to them. He's not a human being. He's like a concept. He's sort of this abstract theological puzzle that they want to solve. And Jesus just rejects that whole way of thinking about him, that whole system that reduces people to abstractions, that just wants to figure out who do we blame? Who do we cast aside? And so Jesus stops walking. He pauses right there, and he makes the theological question personal. He makes it incarnational. He chooses to really see the blind man. He gives worth to him. He makes him a living picture of what it means to be someone who truly sees. He makes him a participant in the work of God, bringing light to darkness. And then later, after he restores the man's sight, the Pharisees and the man's parents and all of these onlookers, they're still arguing. They still want to call this man a sinner. They don't want to define him as someone who lives and sees by God's light. And so eventually they throw him out of the synagogue. They cast him out of their community. And again, Jesus takes this theological argument and he makes it personal. He goes looking for this cast-off man, and he gently guides him toward understanding who Jesus really is, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the light of the world. And this man believes and worships. And so we see in this really quiet interaction between him and Jesus what it is to actually see what it looks like 
to recognize Jesus as the light of the world. Now, there's lots more theology that we could unpack in all that, but like I said earlier, we're just going to leave all that for another day. Because tonight, I really want us to experience the presence of Jesus with us. I want us to feel the warmth and the clarity of the light of the world shining on us and in us, giving us sight in a week that feels so dark and dim. And I want us to leave this virtual church tonight knowing above all that we are in the presence of Jesus, being able to say with the blind man, one thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. So let's pay attention to how Jesus restores his sight. I'm going to read from verse 6. He spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, just a couple generations after John wrote this gospel, there was this bishop in Turkey, he's one of my favorite old-timey church guys, um, named Irenaeus. And Irenaeus wrote about this moment in scripture as a reenactment of God's work at creation. Because you see it all right here. You see the word of God represented in the saliva from his own mouth, giving form to dust, calling from it new life, new light. And so this intimate miracle is not just between Jesus and this man. It's also this sign that Jesus is here to make all things new. Jesus is here for the new creation. He's bringing new sight new light, new life to the world. It's this powerful truth in this really small moment, and this blind man gets to be part of it. He's an active participant. He runs to the pool. He's the one who gets to rinse off this new creation mud from his face. He's the one who gets to tell the story. Who gets to say to everyone who asks, I was blind and now I see. Well, I think for me and for a lot of us, our vision right now feels really dark. There's just this atmosphere of grief and isolation, really an atmosphere of death. It feels like it casts this long shadow over what we can see. And so I want to suggest this week that we let Jesus restore our sight in kind of a small way, but by actually placing dirt before our eyes. And I don't mean rubbing it on our eyes, although, well, yeah, you shouldn't do that because we shouldn't touch our faces. But I mean literally looking down at the soil. Because it's spring, and all around us, creation is showing us this story about light coming out of darkness and about life coming out of death. This story about resurrection. 
And so I want to encourage you to open your eyes, to see that story, to notice how everywhere you look, there is new and beautiful life just bursting forth from these desolate patches of ground, filling and crowding them with color, with beauty. And allow this soil focus to give you sight. And then there's one more thing that I really want us to notice in this story, really more than anything else. I think what strikes me most reading this story on this particular week is just the intimacy of the human contact. This is social presence at its most tactile and human. We see Jesus transmitting light and life in the same way that we're all trying so hard not to transmit COVID-19. Normally, we think about our bodies interacting with Jesus's body in the bread and wine, in the body and blood, and in this act of eating and drinking. But here, we get Jesus's saliva on his unwashed hands. We get it mixed with dirt and then smushed right up into this man's sinus cavities. Jesus doesn't just touch him. He infects him with his life and light. And the scene is so earthy, so bodily. It's just so, so close. It's this profound picture of Jesus with us. I don't want us to miss it. I think it's God's mercy that this story comes to us this week in the lectionary. Jesus is with us. That's the whole message of John's gospel. That's the incarnation hope he is offering us from that other shore across the sea of uncertainty. That's the truth that every miracle is pointing to and fleshing out. Jesus wants to touch our eyes with his very fingertips and give us sight. He wants to enter our darkness with his light and he refuses to be extinguished. Jesus is powerfully, personally with us and he always will be. Now we're going to enter our usual time of silence. And I want to invite you to close your eyes. If you feel more comfortable, you can shut your video off, but that's up to you. Um, I just want us to take a deep breath. I want us to imagine Jesus right next to us. close enough to touch us. And I want us to imagine him touching his hands to our eyes. And if it helps, you may want to touch your own eyes just to feel what that's like. Or you may want to do it later when you're not on video. But as you do, why not ask Jesus? Jesus, help me see. 
help me see where your light is. Jesus, help me see where you are. Jesus, help us see that you are with us. I'm going to close with a poem. Um, It's called The Peace of Wild Things. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free.